Republicans in the House disappoint voters again by nominating the quintessential rhino, Thomas Emmer. Japan reveals draft measures to reverse their drastically falling birth rate. And Nikki Haley somehow sinks even lower, somehow, some way. And the Biden campaign does something right, possibly? We'll find out all today and let's get into it in today's podcast episode. As we were editing this podcast, Thomas Emmer dropped out of the House speakership race after Donald Trump came out against his run. Byron Donalds from Florida was back in the running, but it was then decided late tonight, which is Tuesday, October 24th, that Mike Johnson from Louisiana would be the new and the fourth speaker designee. This will be going out as soon as possible. But by the time this gets published, there may be a new nominee because it seems that all of the nominees that the GOP can decide on are dropping like flies in the dead of winter. As we said, Congress seems to get nothing done. They seem to want to get things done when we start editing. And I'm also just a quick note getting over a cold right now. So if you hear Liam ragging on me about mispronouncing my words, I'm blaming it all on the congestion. That's definitely the reason, but don't let me hold you back any further. Let the show begin. Welcome to the 11th episode of the Magnifying Glass podcast. I am your host, Elena Moore, and today with me is my co-host, Liam Ford. We are going to have some fun today. As all of the media cycles are blasting the same narrative of Israel-Hamas war, which I think we're all getting a little brain dead of at this point in time. I don't know. What are you thinking, Liam? Yeah, I, I, it's hard to sit there and listen to the same people kind of push the same story um, in a new area of the world. Like, we were through the whole situation with Ukraine. We've been through it with I don't know how many foreign conflicts that the United States feels justified in imposing itself in uh, just in my short lifetime. Uh, so, yeah, definitely getting a little bit tired of it. Yeah, I feel like I've lived a lot longer than needed to with the amount of conflicts we've been involved in. But, hey, you but know. you're not going to get drafted, so... You know, if anybody can really complain about this, it's going to be me. So, well, hopefully not. I mean, if you look at TikTok these days, it kind of almost looks like women will. But with the amount of complaining they're doing, I don't think anybody's going to put up with that. So we can go ahead and hop into the House speakership race, which has been probably the most exciting thing to happen to us since, I don't know, the war in Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. Well, definitely not that. But probably um, as much bloodshed uh, in Washington, D.C., just because uh, three weeks now without a Speaker of the House. And it's starting to feel like some of these um, cataclysmic predictions that the media and particularly those in Congress were kind of throwing at us early on that where if we don't elect a Speaker, we're all going to die is basically what they're saying. Uh, and, And, you know, now three weeks in and... Well, we don't have a speaker. Uh, the new nominee as of today, Thomas Emmer from Minnesota, is just about uh, as, as bad an option as we could have come up with. Um, the only reason that he really stands a chance to become Speaker of the House is because uh, the Democrats are now going to help him get elected. So this has kind of been the wait, fear. Wait a second. You're saying the Republicans and the Democrats are working together on something? It's bipartisan, which is a good thing, don't you know? Well, not really, but... So I've heard. Yeah, well, they'll, they'll sit up there and say, this is a bipartisan effort. Well, 
What they mean by that is it is a uniparty deep state effort to screw you, the taxpayer, the American, uh, the law-abiding citizen. So there's no chance if it was if people voted along party lines, there's no chance that Thomas Emmer would get to the majority vote, in my opinion, uh, necessary to put him into the speakership. I was very hopeful uh, that Byron Donalds uh, from, from Florida here would would make a stronger push for Speaker of the House. He never really got traction. He got some votes even the first time around whenever they elected McCarthy um, back in, in January. One, uh, Byron Donalds was one of the names that was thrown around as an alternative option. And I was really hoping that he would, his candidacy or, or, or seeking the nomination, I should say, um, would gain more traction. It didn't. He dropped out uh, earlier today as well. And so right now, we're just kind of have to go through the process with, with Emmer. And as I said, the only real reason that he has a chance at, at winning the speakership is because of the Democrats. I know that the Washington Times reported and I saw a couple report in a couple other places that Democrats are starting to get tired of not being able to send money to Ukraine. I mean, Israel, I mean, other countries. So no. they are really just going to try and do whatever it takes to get past that. And it's kind of been my concern from the beginning was, you know, it's great, in my opinion, that Congress is not able to send any of our money to other countries while we're $33.5 trillion in debt and added $2 trillion in debt in the last four months. I think it's a good thing that we can't spend more money right now. Hey, sometimes it's a good thing when Congress can't do anything. It's not a bad thing. No, it's not. And, and, um, gosh, I can't remember who it was on Twitter. He works for Hillsdale. I'll I'll find his name later, and I'll put the tweet up on, on screen. But he basically said that doing nothing is closer to the founder's vision of what Congress uh, was supposed to do than what they have been doing for the last decade. So, uh, you know, the, oh, the whole idea of, of not having a speaker and Congress not being able to do anything, to me, is really a pretty good option. It's, it's the happiest three weeks I've been with Congress in, in years. So I would be completely fine with just leaving it as it is and just kind of dragging the process out as long as possible. But as I was saying, the danger that kind of comes into play there is because there's such a narrow Republican majority in the House, you then have the opportunity for the Democrats to rally behind Hakeem Jeffries, who's really just become the de facto leader of the Democrats in the, in the House. And there'd be a strong push to put him in power Obviously, the Democrats always vote together as a block. Nobody's going to, you know, deviate from the party line for them. So they would only need to pull over a few Republicans. And obviously, you know, there's a number, there's handfuls of Republicans that we wouldn't trust to oppose that, especially as this frustration builds in Congress and in Washington, D.C., as as Congress continues to be unable to send money to Ukraine for their money laundering efforts, I mean, to help fight for <laughs> democracy. Um and so that has always been the concern. And we may see the Democrats become, even if they're not electing a Democrat in name, as the title of this episode suggests, uh, Thomas Emmer might as well be a Democrat just for the positions he holds. And if you thought that Kevin McCarthy uh, was a bad speaker, uh, just just hold on to your butts if, um, you if Thomas seen, Emmer gets in there. Haven't seen anything yet until no. this guy gets in there. No. And I had an interesting exchange on Twitter today, too, about kind of the importance of the speakership as far as future elections. So as, as many people remember, if you think back that far, uh, with an eon in politics is the 2018 midterm election, which in which the Republicans got absolutely clobbered, 
just because, in my opinion, and I think that um, much of the information from exit polling and everything else bears this out, is Paul Ryan basically stonewalled Trump for the first two years of his administration. And a lot of people kind of forget about that. I think that had you had a more conservative Speaker of the House um, in 2017 and 2018, then you would have seen a very different legacy of the Trump administration. Again, a lot of that is conjecture, um, but given what he was able to do um, even after um, uh, the Republicans lost the House, excuse me, in 2018 and uh, Nancy Pelosi became the Speaker, you really didn't see a change in the efficiency of the Trump administration, which is very strange because for the first two years you controlled Congress, you should have been able to do a lot. And that's kind of what, you know, the, the, the knowledge of, of, of DC is, is that if you're in control of the executive uh, and the House and the Senate, you really should be able to get a lot of things pushed through. And you just didn't really see that uh, for the first two years of the Trump administration. And because of that, the Republicans got absolutely clobbered in 2018. They lost 33 seats in the majority. And obviously, Nancy Pelosi became the new Speaker of the House. And so the there is a very large impact that, politically speaking, not just for his own congressional district, but for the party as a whole and for the potential majority or, or minority in the case of Paul Ryan, um, depending on how the Speaker of the House handles his job. And so it's not just about the next two years. It's also about what will the House look like at the end of the 2024 cycle, because if you have uh, a Republican majority led by a Republican like Thomas Emmer, who does not necessarily um, agree with the base, you're going to see a lot of people become unenthusiastic about you know going out, supporting their congressional candidates, working the grassroots, and, and everything that has to be done to make sure that the Republicans hold the very, very slim majority in the House that they currently hold. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of ramifications here going forward, not just in the immediate term of how much money they're going to send to Ukraine, uh, but the success or failure of the Republicans' attempts to defend their slim majority in the House in 2024 could also be on the line here. Um, so there's a lot to watch here, and there's a lot of importance. So exciting. So hopefully we'll see something good come out of it. Um, not holding my breath because I don't put any stock in Congress. No, you shouldn't. But on the other hand, Japan has unveil, unveiled, revealed a draft. <laughs> I call that fog brain. I have most of my um, everything together right now. It's just, you know, most some of, of that cold everything? is most of my everything most of the brain cells are working some of them are not uh the cold seems to be stopping some of that up which is why you're getting this cool it cool sounds like you're, you're auditioning for anchorman 60 percent of the time it works every time i have 60 percent of my stuff together 100 percent. wait hey it worked for biden why can't it work for me because you don't have the beady in your pocket do you really want to go there <laughs> Well, in other news, Japan has revealed draft measures to reverse the falling birth rate. It was reported by NHK World Japan in June 2nd of 2023 that Japan has drawn up a draft plan designing to reverse the country's falling birth rate, which includes boosting financial support for child-rearing households. They were pulling this from a panel of experts this, well, I guess it was the Thursday then, so May. 
But one of the proposals called for removing the upper income cap for monthly cash payments to parents and extend the payment period, which currently ends when a child in Japan reaches feet at 15 until they graduate from high school. The government would increase the allowance for each child for parents with at least three children. They, uh, a lot of officials will say that the study um, is going to further increase financial support for the childbirth, such as considering public health insurance coverage. Not a bad idea. No, and, it, and it's something, you know, especially in a country like Japan, which has been had a notoriously low birth rate um, for, for decades now, that it's hard to argue that this is not if you're going if the government is going to spend money it should be spending money to help the country of the taxpayer that is supplying the government with the money to spend right and so what better way is there for a government to support its own people than by making sure that the country you know ups its birth rate has the workforce to to continue you know supporting the elderly and the retirement fund and all of that uh, it's it, it's hard to think of a better use of money and this is you know, Japan obviously is probably the most extreme example of a falling birth rate in the modern world, but it's a problem that has hit everywhere. Uh, obviously, France, Germany, uh, a lot of the more modern side of Europe has hit that. Uh, China is now predicted to lose, I think, some, somewhere close to like half a billion um, people over the next couple of decades, uh, just because their birth rate is so low. Obviously, the United States is well below replacement. And and so it's a problem that basically every country has been facing. The difference comes in how a country addresses that problem. For us here in America, the, the de facto position has essentially been we should just allow more immigration from third world countries uh, with immigrants that are largely illiterate and incapable of working in such a modernized economy. Or sterilize our kids. Or that. Um both of those really bad options if you spend, I don't know, half a second thinking about it. The alternative option is really what Hungary's been doing uh, for the last couple of years, which has been basically financially incentivizing the native population to boost the population well above replacement. So in Hungary, the, the proposal uh, was essentially for every child, you'll pay 25% less uh, in income tax. So if you have four kids, you're paying 0% uh, percent in income tax, which kind of setting aside the libertarian in me, which says we shouldn't have income tax anyway because you're going to get taxed when you spend the money. Right. Um, that's, a great, that's a great policy, right? Uh, and, and same thing uh, with Japan. Japan uh, last year had the lowest birth rate since 1899. And obviously that is, you know, uh, uh, when a country was in a much uh, more weak economic position, so it doesn't really make sense. Um but again, this is the problem of modernization. Uh, Japan also has some very interesting uh, cultural um, contributing factors to this. And it, in, in Japan, it's known as the lost generation from in, in the 90s, basically. Because in the work culture in Japan, rather than um, you know, job hopping, which is pretty, pretty common here in the, in the United States, even career hopping um, into different fields, in Japan, once you get hired at a at a company right out of college, the tradition has been you work at that company for your entire career, and Whoa. that's that goes back you know into the the post World War II economy, and so it's been around for a very very long time, and, and the Japan economy was growing very quickly through the 70s and the 80s, and 
The problem came during uh, the 90s when they hit an economic um, retraction. And so companies basically stopped hiring for about 10 years. That, that, that became known as the lost generation there in the 90s. And when the economy picked up again in the 2000s, they went back, the company went back to their original practice of you hire somebody right out of college and they work for your company for the entire 40-year career. And so the people who were part of that lost generation that were now you know five to 10 years removed from their college graduation never really got an opportunity to work um, a career job that would enable them to buy a, you know, buy a home, start a family, all of that. And so that's why you have um, such a strong policy agenda from the Japanese government. Uh, I think they actually have a, a minister of loneliness now that's, whose sole mission is to basically reintegrate that lost generation of, of men into Japanese society and culture. And so Japan has had by far the greatest problem with declining birth rates being below replacement for decades now. But uh, it's a problem that every country is facing, and it'd be great to see more Western countries adopt this same policy of basically financially incentivizing their native populations to boost the fertility rate back above replacement. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it works in Japan. I know it's been very popular so far. The proposal has been anyway with, uh, with, with the Japanese, particularly the women, obviously. Um, so we'll see. I think it'll be successful. It's worked so far in Hungary, and there's no reason to think it won't work in Japan. Um, and it's something that other countries should should think about mimicking as well. Right. I would love to see that in some other places. It kind of scares me if it happens in America. <laughs> because, you know, we just got the smartest people over here. Yeah. And again, part of the problem with uh, America is, is the cultural uh, difference between communities. Yes. There, you know, that that's, I, you know, they always say it takes a village and Mm -hmm. I do believe that to a certain extent, like it is always better to have, to raise children in a village. Like you have two parents, you've got the nuclear family, you've got, you know, outside family helping out, but it comes down to, okay, what is the quality of that village? Mm -hmm. Because the quality of the village is right now, ain't looking too pretty. No. And I mean, I mean, it's pretty well known that, you know, as far as kids go, even, once they hit four years old, they're socialized more by their peers than they are their parents or their immediate family. So you have to you have to think about you know if that's the case, then from the age of four years on, four years old and on, who are your kids hanging out with? And because that's going to be who is influencing them and you know basically how they model their behavior. Obviously, we know how important peer pressure and everything else is uh, in the formative years of of your life. So it is definitely all about the quality of the village or the quality of the culture um which a lot of people don't want to talk about but it it's an unavoidable fact and you have to be willing to address it that's a great plug for homeschooling well on the next note we have my favorite person in the entire world nikki haley when i mean let me tell you one thing she's been saying some stuff that I didn't know she could come up with some of these things. I mean, I know that the IQ level is low for her, but she hit a late new, the latest new low and saying even more irrelevant, irrelevant, irrelevant things. There we go. All right. Hey, I make it there. You know, my nose might 
Hey, but not, that's but not a plug for homeschooling, there. okay? That's that's not a plug. See, okay, we have two separate sections there. There's a plug for homeschooling, and then we're going to go into Nick, Nikki Haley, and that is not a plug for it, all right? So Nikki Haley, so glad she didn't homeschool her kids. Um, she's been saying some fun stuff on Twitter, as she does, that is out of pocket. Liam, I'll let you go ahead and, and do your favorite one. What's your favorite one? No, no, please. I Please. No, you, this is, you have to live with her. She is. She used to be represent you. I really think you should do the honor of reading this really A-plus quality tweet. Like, this is, this, is, this is the content I signed up for. Please, take it away. All right, boys and girls, turn up your headsets. Let's go, because this is going to be so much fun, and I'm going to enjoy it so much. By the way, she deleted this tweet because she thought it was so great quote it's not that israel needs america america needs israel end quote as she accused vivek of wanting to defund israel i love me some good hypocrisy well if 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 you're attacking somebody for wanting to stop giving a country money it sounds to me like the country receiving the money needs the country supplying the money a lot more than the inverse. Call me crazy, but that's just the way I see it. Now, you might be crazy on that one. That doesn't make sense at all. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. That's why, at the end of the day, Nikki Haley supporters really are the brightest among us. Let me tell you one thing. Every time I meet one, I'm just like, oh, why have I not had you in my I've life sooner? I've never met one, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> hey, well, I'm maybe come sure up to South exist. Carolina. I'm not even sure they exist. It might be, you know, there are a few things that I'm just not sure exist. Aliens, Bigfoot, and Nikki Haley supporters, okay? That's the, that's the three things that I'm not sure exist. All right. Y'all can rip Liam a new one in the comments if you disagree. <laughs> Let's hey, go on to let, yeah, I'm sure you could, because that's your favorite thing to do, obviously, is to uh, go after people on Twitter. You do a great job of it, I do have to say. You will lose. If you come at me, you will lose. Okay, debatable, but whatever. Nikki, Haley, Nikki Haley's latest tweet, which I was a little confused of reading, and we read it earlier. Our brains went other places that maybe it shouldn't have been, but let's go ahead and read it out loud. On October 24th, Tuesday at 1.22 p.m., she says, quote, I'm proud to have been the first governor to sign anti-BDS legislation. There will be no tolerance for anti-Semitism when I'm president, end quote. I'm so glad that she's keeping a positive mindset. That she's going to be president one day. I mean, heck, I can't even believe it. It was a fever dream when she was the governor. And even seeing how many supporters she had then blew my mind. But after all the stuff came out about um, everything she did with DSS and, and how many children went missing in her administration. Just log on to Code Monkey Z on Twitter. Watch some of those videos. His little documentary he did on that. It will blow your mind. But don't worry. She has great anti-BDS BDS don't legislation. Say it. I'm, not, I'm trying not to. Don't. We're going to get right, banned for explicit content. People are going to think that you're plugging in OnlyFans, okay? Not reading a Nikki Haley tweet. I promise, guys, it's not out of my own mouth. It's out of Nikki Haley's. But let's go ahead no, and move on to... But you know where her mind is at, so... Are we surprised? 
I just feel like this spawn this this um tweet should be like have a little like community note under it that says like this is not a sponsorship from Rihanna. Oh man, I hope that happens. But probably not because she's best friends with all the overlords since she was what was it? In in the Young Leaders for World Economic Forum or or something weird like that. Or the Bill Gates. I can't remember what it was. Soros. Of course, she's involved in all of those things. But to you make know what's incredible, and I, I just what? I just noticed this by looking through some of the pictures of her events that she's put up on her Twitter. You know what's amazing to me is that as much as Nikki Haley is irrelevant, because let's be honest, she's irrelevant. Um, she can still draw a bigger crowd. I've realized than Mike Pence. I don't know if anybody saw the picture that Mike Pence put up. Uh, I think it was yesterday at this campaign event, and he's at, I think he's at a bookstore. And I kid you not, there's probably like eleven people that showed up. And it looks like a field trip from a nursing home just kind of accidentally wandered into the middle of this photo op, and it's the only reason people are there. Like, take a look at this picture and tell me I'm wrong. Man, that's sad. I mean, come on. You want to go around saying, oh, I was the governor of South Carolina. I'm, you know, big Tiger fan. Woo, Clipson. Oh, this. Oh, the military. Oh, let's wipe Iran off the map. Wait, nope, she didn't say that. She probably deleted it, though. In other news, Forbes did a fun little article about entitled how Nikki Haley built an $8 million fortune and helped bail out her parents. Because when she was in the UN, she actually, you may not know this, quit the UN in order to go on a speaking route that made her millions of dollars and also bailed out her parents who were living in a multi-million dollar home on Lake Murray. Oh, also, if you didn't know, a lot of the elites in South Carolina live on Lake Murray. So have fun with that one, along with the Wilsons and the McMasters. But you should definitely check out this article to find out how she made her fortune, not only after being the UN ambassador, but also propping up a lot of other things and even uh, signing a book deal. Mm, Fun. Another fun fact, the Federalist and I think this might be one of my favorite articles from them, that is entitled Nikki Haley is Hillary 2.0, which goes through her entire campaign and compares how it's basically a rerun of Hillary's campaign and her slogans. Oh, it's like Vivek and Obama. <laughs> I Wait love a these comparisons. <laughs> why? Why? I mean, at least Vivek had the sense to, like, pick a winner, right? That just goes to show you how dumb Haley is, Right. I'm going to mimic a campaign that lost. Multiple times. How dumb are you? I mean, you know what? You might think I might not have that many brain cells right now. I will never top, never top Nikki Haley. See, that sounds almost as weird as her anti-BDS. Nah, I think I think there's a little bit of... Um, uh-uh. No. Moving on. Um... She likes to change her slogan uh, a lot of different times as send a bad A woman to the White House. She has changed it probably about four times over the summer, which is very similar to um, Nikki uh, Hillary Clinton's paraphrase of if you want something done, ask a woman, which, by the way, Nikki Haley has said multiple times. It often takes a woman. You know, okay, all these but let's, let's be fair. At least Hillary Clinton has some basis for saying that. Because let's be honest, nobody is as efficient at removing those with incriminating information. Uh, how do we say it to get past the filters again? Unaliving, I think is the term, people. Um, yeah, so I mean, 
Hillary's got a point there. I mean, she does get the job done. She's got a lot of blood she, on her hands, but the job is done. Except for winning the presidency, effective. obviously. She's effective. Yes. For the most part. Behind closed doors, she's very effective. Oh, I've heard many a story. Yes. Yes. Just ask Monica Lewinsky. Okay, that was too far. <laughs> We're going to get deplatformed for this episode. <laughs> but let's just end it on a light note, which is Biden joined True Social. This is going to be trolled to no end. Okay. This is like Trump showing up at the Democratic convention and asking for donations. Okay. This is the most brain dead political move of 2023. It is actually the most brain dead political move since the Biden administration launched an ad targeting uh, Spanish speakers in 2020, but they pushed people to a website that they did not control. So then the Trump administration, the Trump campaign bought that domain and then redirected it to the Trump website. So the Biden administration basically just did an advertisement for Trump. It's the most brain dead thing since that. It's hilarious. I can't wait to see how this plays out. Oh, man, me too. Because let me tell you one thing. Donald Trump, he, he, he took it and he ran with it immediately as it happened. Donald Trump truth socialed out. We are heading to World War III because of a grossly incompetent leadership headed by a president that doesn't have a clue, although he did have the sense to join Truth, the real voice of American. Congratulations, Joe, at least on that. Okay, but here's the thing. Like, I know it's fun to make fun of Joe, but we all know Joe didn't do it. Not because he couldn't, but because, you know, he's right now, he's on the beach in Delaware, and it's so hard to see your phone screen under that bright sun. You could do anything, anything like download truth social and create a campaign and also your the username side note that's not relevant is at biden hq go give them a dislike oh yeah this is gonna be go ratio every post that they make please all right well before we get into more trouble um thank you for joining us on today on the magnifying glass podcast we delve deep for everything overlooked into focus and magnifying the stories that matter to you okay if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe rate and share helping us shine a light on even more discoveries i'm your host elena moore and remember sometimes the smallest details make the biggest difference until next time keep looking closer Thank you.